Hello and good morning. It's Wednesday, the 30th of May, 2018. Welcome back to Autonomous Cars with Mark Hogue, the first and only regularly updated podcast in the world dedicated entirely to autonomous cars. Today, episode 34, Jaguar proves that humans need autonomous cars. Apple and Volkswagen have a love affair, and autonomous cars roll out like Star Trek transporters. All this and more, yes, actually more, we have a PS today, right now. All right, but before I dive in, I'd be remiss not to call out with much gratitude certain listeners who have left some fantastically kind reviews for me. So the first of which is one CMDC, who writes that it's always great info at a high enough level to stimulate further thought, just the right length, perfectly curated info for each episode, good stuff. Kareen88 says, This is definitely the best podcast on this subject, exactly the right amount of technical details, and very smartly done. Very good insights and raises a lot of interesting questions. And finally, a listener by the name of SK Bergam says, Mark is somehow able to take all the news and recent developments from the AV world and distill it into two easy-to-understand 15-minute podcasts each week. Thank you. So, no, thank all of you. Uh, really, genuinely grateful. Very much appreciate the kind words and the five-star ratings. If you're interested, these reviews are visible to the public on iTunes podcasts. So, Again, a huge thank you to all of you. Very much appreciate it. It is reviews like this and, of course, sharing with your friends and colleagues that uh, absolutely inspires me to keep doing this show. So thank you very much indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, so to kick things off today, let's talk about Jaguar. Yes, we did discuss them in length a bit ago. They had just recently announced uh, and indeed released the new iPACE, the premium all-wheel drive luxury all-electric SUV, really the best sort of, I guess, the best candidate for a viable, legitimate Tesla competitor that we've yet seen. Um a bit smaller in size to the Model X, really kind of just a large hatchback is what it is. I mean, a very large hatchback, but but you know, make no mistake, this is definitely not a huge SUV like the Model X. Um, I think, as an aside, this is probably going to be a more direct competitor to, say, the Model 5, which Tesla should release sometime in the next 47 years or so. Um, anyway, thing about this is, as with all electric cars, I think it's become so commonplace and indeed so expected that they have just sort of face-distortingly, you know, mind-warpingly quick acceleration that we've kind of, it kind of doesn't even make headlines anymore. Of course, you know, unless something like the new Tesla Roadster 2.0 comes along and claims to be able to do 0 to 60, that's about 0 to 100 kilometers per hour, uh, in something under two seconds, which is, I mean, let me put it this way, anything approaching even three seconds uh, let alone less than two seconds, actually hurts your face. Um, so, 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 yeah, it was a big deal when Tesla announced that, yeah, their their new Roadster 2.0 will 
you know, break that 2.0 second barrier, um, which, by the way, to put that in perspective, is significantly quicker even than, say, Bugatti Veyron or indeed even the new Bugatti Chiron. Um, anyway, I, I will, I promise you this is going to loop back uh, to autonomous cars in a moment. This isn't just sort of a, you know, ecstatic rant about just incredibly faster than light speeds of new electric cars. You'll see where I'm going with this in a moment. It turns out the Jaguar are convinced that they could very well produce uh, an SVR or SVX model of the I-Pace. Now, for those of you not familiar with Jaguar's nomenclature, SVR and SVX are sort of Jaguar's answer to, say, BMW's M division, Mercedes' uh, AMG division, uh, Ford's uh, SVT division. Uh, For instance, the SVT Shelby Mustangs, right? So... To put it in another more sort of ambiguous kind of way, anything by Jaguar with SVR or SVX on the body basically means this is the more bigger, faster, quicker, more powerful, more raw, more everything version. Uh, Basically just more uh, is what those letters mean, which is pretty awesome and in general, very much welcome indeed. Until now, it turns out that, well... According to one Hanno Kirner, he's the executive director of corporate and strategy over at Jaguar Land Rover. Well, he's released a rather interesting quote, which goes something like this. We have asked ourselves how you would SVR an electric car. Yes, we can make it do 0 to 60 in 1.8 seconds. It's a good headline. But once you've done it once or twice and lost your eyes in the back of their sockets, you might not want to do it again. Before I get into the next bit of his quote, uh, a couple points on this. Uh, By the way, I should say, this is something that was uh, shared over at electrek.co, and I'm about to very explicitly agree with Electrek's take on this particular quote, which is, first of all, that I also disagree. People are not just going to do this once or twice because that kind of acceleration, that kind of just brute force shoving into your seat with a force greater than that of gravity. If you just remember your high school physics and you do the math, you'll see that indeed zero to 60 in less than two seconds uh, is something greater than 9.8 meters per second squared, uh, which is of course the downward force due to gravity. Put a different way, it really hurts. Um, so no, I, I I do not agree that people are going to do it just once or twice. They're going to just keep doing this again and again and again because it is mind-numbingly, intoxicatingly addicting. Um, yes, you do lose your eyes in the back of your head. That's absolutely true. It's the next bit of the quote, though, that really warrants discussion. And this is the part that I promise loops back to our overarching theme of autonomous cars explicitly, which is this. Kierner goes on to say the following. He says, you also have to make sure that you can't go too fast. I do worry that the instant torque and performance might be too much for untrained drivers. It may be that we have to impose some kind of restrictions so that the performance is limited until they have gone on a driving course or something. So let's just kind of think about that for a moment. So the concern is that these cars are just too quick for the ordinary human to handle. I'll be honest, this discussion could warrant an entire 15-minute special segment on its own. Again, for those of you who haven't listened to all these episodes and don't know much about my background, remember, I've I've had the privilege of having done several track days. My dad used to be an accomplished race car driver. He's got a first-place trophy, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So 
what I want to make clear here is that there is a very, very um, sort of tragic misconception that driving a car is, um, you know, driving a car fast and well is somehow a trivial sort of easy thing to get right. And it really isn't. And this difficulty increases exponentially, um, you know, obviously the more power and indeed acceleration that the car can handle. Indeed, I've been saying for years um, that the fact that, you know, a 16-year-old kid, at least here in the States anyway, um, is able to, you know, if, if they've got the money, they can walk into, say, a Ferrari or Lamborghini or tech, even at the lower end of the price point these days, uh, a Corvette, um, walk into a dealership and pick up a four, five, six, seven hundred horsepower car with no training whatsoever and promptly injure or kill themselves or others because they just don't know how to handle that sort of power. Electronic nannies that modern cars have do not violate the laws of physics. They will not prevent and protect from just a complete lack of experience or alternatively just plain stupidity. So putting aside again, this huge discussion about, you know, whether indeed there needs to be sort of um, different tiers of licenses for performance of cars and putting aside the admittedly obvious fact that this would just never fly in the U.S. anyway, it raises this question that is there a point now, especially with electric cars, where the performance is just too, too great for the average human? Um, so at this point, it's really important to clarify something for you. You know, I'm pretty sure that many of you have experienced properly quick cars, say, I don't know, even a Ford Mustang doing something like zero to 60 in four seconds, four and a half seconds, five seconds, whatever. Any car that's below five or six seconds is properly quick, full stop. Um, the difference is the sort of power delivery, right? So an internal combustion engine, obviously power is a function of the RPM of the engine. So by, by nature, just by the laws of physics, the minute you step on the gas, not that much is going to happen. Obviously, as the RPMs go up, then you start to deliver more torque and therefore more horsepower. Um, and this is when you really start to feel the, the push in your, in, in your seat. Uh, obviously, uh, superchargers and turbos and modern engine design try to produce what's known as a flat torque curve, which tries to kind of lower the impact, the, the RPM range at which you get maximum torque. But suffice to say, um, gasoline engine cars typically kind of surge in power and therefore acceleration. In contrast, electric cars, because as you probably know by now, they produce all their torque, 100% of it, right from idle. I say idle, obviously there's no actual idle, but really from zero RPM. This means then the 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 delivery of that torque and, and the resulting power is literally and truly instantaneous. And it's a very, very different sort of thing to experience indeed. I think a really good way of explaining this to you is uh, if you're not familiar with this distinction that we're discussing here, it's, it's, it's kind of the following, right? So if you've seen any of the various YouTube videos of uh, any Tesla really doing a drag race against, say, some hypercar from Italy, uh, say a Ferrari, a Lamborghini, even the new 700 horsepower Dodge, uh, you know, demons, um, it's virtually always the case that in the quarter mile, the Tesla will dominate. What's interesting, though, is that if you check the, the speeds at which the car traps the quarter mile timer, the Tesla is doing so at a remarkably slower clip than the gasoline engine competitor. So to put this a different way, 
although the Tesla accelerates much quicker off the line, it kind of runs out of steam on the top end. And so by the time it crosses the quarter mile, the gasoline-powered competitor is rapidly catching up. So say, I don't know, I think the quarter mile for the Tesla is something in the 120 or 130 mile per hour range. Uh, most of these other competitors will be doing like 140, 150 or so. Um, so. So the point that I'm trying to make is the power delivery is a very different sort of thing. Okay, this is all a roundabout way of getting to my point, which is this. The seat of your pants experience, and more importantly, the perception, the eye-brain sort of perception of what's going on is hugely different in an electric car and literally things happen faster than you can process, faster than you can recognize what's going on. This is the notion with which uh, Mr. Kerner is saying that, you know, this, you know that there's got to be sort of some limitation. And his concern is that it doesn't make sense to offer to the public what is otherwise a pretty conventional, ordinary sort of family SUV, right? You know, why should a family SUV be able to do zero to 60, that is zero to 100 kilometers an hour, in 1.8 seconds? Not only is it not necessary, it's potentially very, very dangerous. So, finally now, looping this back to autonomous vehicles. Um, well, I think you can see where I'm going with this. Look, by all means, continue to release super high-performance vehicles. All car manufacturers, please do. They're fun, they're accelerating, and... After all, they sell, and we just want them. And indeed, in some situations, they're really, really safe. They're very, very important to have. You may have seen this video of a, of a Tesla on the side of the road. It had a rear-facing camera. Uh, a Prius, for whatever reason, was driving along. I, I'm pretty sure it was a Prius, which now that I say it is kind of funny. It was driving along, and for whatever reason, the driver didn't see the Tesla. It was approaching at what looked like, I think, 40 or 50 miles an hour. And just before smashing into the rear of the Tesla, Tesla driver notices it in his rear view mirror and punches it, accelerating so quickly he was able to avoid a collision. I, too, have experienced the incredible speed and therefore safety of a Tesla, where rather than slamming on the brakes, I instinctively judged that it was safer to basically accelerate hard and thereby evented, uh, you know, averted being T-boned in an intersection, for instance. So it's not that this kind of power can't be used safely. It's that it's usually the case that it isn't. So what's important, I think, is to, you know, recognize that indeed all electric cars by their very nature can be made very easily to have this sort of just, 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 just monumental power delivery. And that's fine. Do that, by all means. It sells cars better. And right now we need to sort of do what we can to maximize and accelerate the rate of electric car adoption. By all means, do it. But I agree. I think for public roads, we simply do not need cars accelerating that quickly. I think it's a bit foolish. Um, I think maybe have a way to unlock it manually if you really insist on doing it. Certainly allow it to be done so on the track. Um, but in any event, Make sure that these cars do have full autonomous capability because, I mean, it, I, I guess what I'm trying to say is you can have one or the other, but presumably, uh, you know, make sure that you focus on safety first. And if you're going to have cars with this kind of power, we really want to have the autonomous functionality built in and on by default because the, the, these cars are just too much fun. And I really do foresee the need for greater autonomous intervention, if not full level five autonomy, then certainly something approaching proper level three and even four autonomy where 
these cars and their automatic emergency braking systems, their abilities to avoid obstacles and collide with their vehicles, that's got to be something that's really you know, just baked into these kinds of cars because when you've got people playing around with this kind of power, this kind of brute force and acceleration, you really need a car which is, well, there's only one way to put it, you need a car which is smarter than the average human. And that's all I'm going to say on that. All right, so for this next segment, which actually I have to say is going to be the final segment for today. Yeah, we're going to leave the third segment. We're going to push that back to Friday's episode. Um, for better or worse, sorry, the previous segment went on, frankly, far longer than I intended. Sorry about that. Um, but yeah, let's just dive into this real quickly. Um, Apple and Volkswagen, apparently they have a thing for one another. Um, we've talked on and off now and then about Apple's project Titan. It's autonomous car project, which was once upon a time, Apple's attempt to dive into the autonomous car market with its own home-baked autonomous car vehicle uh, built from scratch. Then it turned out that that was not what Apple were on about. They were actually just developing software, which presumably would then be licensed in a rather un apple way, as we discussed in the past, to other autonomous car manufacturers. Now, however, a report over from 2025 AD suggests that Apple and Volkswagen are teaming up to make driverless vans. Um, this first, besides, you know, besides the very obvious discussion about the value of sort of rolling out commercial trucking and delivery vans as a, as an obvious best first market for autonomous cars. Um, because again, that's a whole nother discussion. Um, yeah. So it turns out that, well, it looks like Apple and Volkswagen might be doing precisely this. The idea is to take some Volkswagen T6 vans, uh, basically make them electric and fully self-driving. So, this, to me, seems like the perfect Trojan horse. I don't mean that in the viral sense. I mean that in the historic sense of sort of getting your troops into the other side, so to speak. This seems to me the perfect Trojan horse for uh, for Apple to really roll out its autonomous car tech. Here's what I mean. Um, assuming that it's probably true that Apple is not, in fact, developing their own physical car, but rather just the software, well, the question then becomes... What's the best way to kind of roll this out and get some sort of market penetration? Well, what better way indeed than with, A, a company as large and reputable as Volkswagen. Okay, I can hear it now in the comments. What do you mean, Mark? How are they reputable? Volkswagen, Dieselgate, etc. Yeah, putting that aside, and of course the fact that Volkswagen are doing what I anticipated. I wrote a huge thing about this on Quora. You can find it. Uh, the fact that they are pivoting away from diesel into electric and autonomous just as I predicted they would. It, anyway, putting that aside... You know, Volkswagen has the resources and the desire to do this faster than anybody else. So I really think it's the perfect use case for Apple to indeed uh, roll out and fully bake, meaning test, iterate, and improve, and indeed perfect their autonomous car software. I really think this is a fantastically good idea. Um, I... I need to dive into this some more. I want to uh, research it more fully, see how legitimately sort of accurate this this report is. But um, suffice to say, I think this is a fantastic idea. I am curious your thoughts, though. If anyone else has any insight into any of this, please do let me know. All right. So as I mentioned, this will have to be a wrap for today because the first segment just went far too long. But I'm going to say it again right now so there's no misunderstanding. 
Next episode, rolling out on Friday, I'm going to begin where we left off here, which is the notion that autonomous cars are going to roll out rather like Star Trek transporters. I know that makes no sense at all. I will explain it then. Um, And we will have some more to discuss besides. So until then, um, what can I say? I hope, by the way, that you all had a wonderful Memorial Day weekend. Those of you here in the States, those of you outside of the States, well, uh, sorry for uh, for the several days delay here between the last episode and this one. Um, As always, thank you so much for listening. The reviews, the ratings, as I mentioned earlier, hugely appreciated indeed. Um, So I will check back with you in two days. Thank you again so much. Until next time, bye-bye.